So we're continuing. This is kind of a, you know, it's kind of like, what, torts 101 and 102? I don't know. I've never been to law school, but um, it's general law. It's for Israel. So, so, you know, if you have lambs and donkeys, you don't have to feel obligated to follow this. Uh, you ought to feel obligated to follow the Ten Commandments, but other than that, um, the general principle of legal obligations, I, I see on Facebook from time to time this thing that says, we have, what, what does it say? We have 300,000 pages of laws because men can't follow ten lines in the Bible. Um, uh, here's, here's the interesting thing. God had just given the Ten Commandments, you see. But he knew men couldn't obey the Ten. Here's Israel down there. Oh, we're going to do whatever God says. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of like God takes Moses' face and says, look back at me, forget that, you know. Uh, we're going to keep giving the law here because they ain't ever going to do this. They're going to steal and they're going to mistreat people and you're going to have to have laws. Uh, so that's kind of where we are here. Says several things about our Lord, not the least of which is his recognition through his love of our of our faults and his willingness to help us um, mitigate these things. So you know, um, for all that it is, it's it still reveals the heart of love from Yahweh for his people. So we continue here in this section, and we're going to look at property laws. And we begin in chapter 22 and verse 1. I think my verse 1 may be the last verse of your last chapter. I don't know. I think, let's see. No, I think my verse 1 is your verse 2. I don't know. It's a little off. I looked at it and compared it to English translations, standard translations. So just... uh, that's your verse two. Okay, all right. So, we'll, but I think, but I think, I think we catch up with each other at the end of it. We'll find out. So, property laws. If while breaking in the thief is discovered, and he is struck and dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. That's what you call the castle doctrine, which is biblical. Um, Somebody's in your house, you don't know he's stealing from you. You don't know what he's going to do aside from steal from you. So he shouldn't have been there. Uh, So the Lord's law for his people says you can kill him and you won't be guilty. If he's discovered and you hit him, you strike him somehow and he dies, you're not going to be guilty for his death. Next verse. If the sun shone upon him, there should be guilt for his bloodshed. He shall surely pay, and that would be, he shall surely pay full restitution. I don't know what your translation says, but the the word means to pay in full. He's got to pay, pay in full if the sun shines on him. So if it's at night, it's one thing, but if it's daytime and you can sit and you can see him. Now, if he's just a thief and you see him, uh, he says, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. And he shall surely pay. So you can, you can go after him legally, but just don't kill him 
if you can see him and you can see that he's otherwise harmless. If he has no money, he shall be sold for his theft. So he'll be taken into slavery and sold as a bondservant. And he'll have to work out whatever the agreement is. He'll have to work out somehow the time necessary for him to pay off what he's what he sold, the, the stolen goods that he's stolen, uh, that he's sold. If the stolen article is found in his possession, whether it's a bull, a donkey, or a lamb, live ones, he shall pay twofold. If a man leads his animals into a field or a vineyard and lets, or lets his animal loose and it eats in another's field, the best of his field or the best of his vineyard, he shall pay. So you'll owe something if your animal gets out of control and messes with the other guy's uh, yard, vineyard, or or field. Now this is obviously this is this is the this is activity. All right, let's let's stop here and think about what else God recognizes. He recognizes uh, property value, and He recognizes that we have a right to personal property. Now God owns it all, and we don't doubt that. Uh, but we do possess it. It's in our possession. And we, we have to be able to make a living. And we should not be subjected uh, to things that take away from the value of our property. Um, and, and the Lord acknowledges that in this. So in this case, uh, if your animal gets loose... You have responsibility for that. That's what the Lord is saying. You, you have responsibility uh, for the, the things that you have, especially your livestock. Uh, and you'll owe, you'll owe this fellow whatever the settlement is. My guess is it would go to a magistrate. doesn't say that, but they, you remember they had magistrates, they had judges all, uh, to different levels. And my guess is it would go to a magistrate a magistrate would call in people who were experts and say, okay, uh, here's a half acre of corn that's been ruined. What is the value of half acre of corn? And he'd get four or five opinions, and then he'd make his judgment from them. That's basically what it means. So the guy whose animal had done this, he would owe that money. He'd have to pay this guy that amount. Um, if a fire gets out of control and it finds thorns, in other words, if it finds dry stuff that's easily flammable, and a stack of grain or a standing grain or the field become consumed, then the one who ignited the fire shall surely pay. There again, the judge will determine and the guilty party will have to pay. If a man gives his neighbor money or articles for safekeeping and it is stolen from the man's house, if the thief is found, he shall pay twice the value of the goods. If he's not found, the homeowner shall approach the judges to swear that he has not laid his hand upon his neighbor's property. I don't know what happened to it. He gave it to me. He saw me put it here. I walked off and left it. It's been there as far as I know all this time, and he's come back to get it, and it's not there. And I will raise my hand to the sky and tell you that I didn't steal it. Okay, so that's the case. He has not taken that property, even though it was in his home for safekeeping. Um, 
There, so, so he would be, he would not be responsible for it. I mean, you know, the guy should have found a safe deposit box or something. Now, for any sinful word, for a bull, for a donkey, for a lamb, for a garment, for any lost article, concerning which he will say that this is it, the plea or pleas of both parties shall come to the judges, and whoever the judges declare guilty shall pay twofold to his neighbor. Accusation is made. Something has gone wrong. Uh, and so this bull did this, this donkey did this, that's my lamb. No, it's not. What are you doing with my, <coughs> with my coat on your shoulders? That's not your coat. It's my coat. So they take this whole thing, and it's a, it's a case that goes before the judge. Uh, and here we see, we see how the Lord says, you bring these cases to the judges. If a man gives his neighbor a donkey, a bull, a lamb, or any animal for safekeeping, and it dies, breaks a limb, or it's captured, and no one sees it, the oath of Yahweh, of, of, of the Lord of Yahweh, shall be between the two of them, provided he did not lay his hand upon his neighbor's property, and its owner shall accept it, he shall not pay. But if it's stolen from him, he shall pay the, its owner. If it's torn apart, he shall bring witness for it, for the torn one, he shall not pay. So there's some things that he's responsible for uh, in the case of safekeeping another man's property. And there's some things that, uh, that he just does, doesn't need to be responsible for. It's just something that nobody could help. If a person borrows an animal from his neighbor and it breaks a limb or dies, if its owner is not with him, he shall surely pay. If its owner is with him, he shall not pay. If it's a hired animal, it has come for its hire. So you don't, you, you know, you already paid for the hire of the animal. Now, if something happens in the presence of the owner, you don't owe anything. But if the owner's not there, you're going to owe something. Um, again, again, recognizing that people have property rights. Uh, that it's important, and our, our, I mean, our lives are are secured by our being able to put shelter over our heads and food in our stomachs and clothes on our backs, and that requires that requires activity uh, with regard to goods and services, and we we have responsibilities regarding those goods and services to other people. It's not every man for himself. Now, we begin a section that I call the laws of social responsibility. If a man seduces a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall provide her with a marriage contract as a wife. If her father refuses to give her to him in marriage, he shall weigh out money according to the dowry of the virgins. Well... Okay. So uh, it looks like it looks like the man is the guilty one, right? He should have left her alone. Um, in that in that society, of course, generally parents took care of putting kids together for marriage contracts, and 
you know, this guy, he's just a traveling salesman of some kind. Um, and he's in trouble. If her father refuses to give her to him in marriage, he shall weigh out money according to the dowry of the virgins. <laughs> that's awful, isn't it? But that's the way it was. <laughs> well, if you had a, I don't know why this thought comes into my mind. If you had a, an underhanded father, he could make a lot of money on that, couldn't he? <laughs> that's awful. Hey, uh... <laughs> yes. <laughs> I deal with some people in uh, other 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 cultures. And um, the uh, Kuwaitis and the Arabians have told me the mothers in Morocco raise their daughters and sell them to the rich people in Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait. The Egyptians in Romania. Mm-hmm. They have a once a year auction for young girls that are birthers. That goes on right now. Well, that's just, you know, I don't know. Uh, That's hard to... You can see why the Judeo-Christian culture, and you only find value of human life in this, you only find that really in people who have their roots in the Bible. I mean, you don't see it in these other cultures. They're just worse than moronic, demonic, I guess. Verse 17, you shall not allow a sorceress to live. Verse 18, whoever lies carnally with an animal shall surely be put to death. I have said for years, and I've said it from the pulpit a few times, that when homosexuality becomes a norm within a society or a culture, the next thing is bestiality. Now, I saw a news article a couple of weeks ago where a judge in the UK has given permission to a man to marry a goat. <laughs> Should have picked out a pretty animal at least. <laughs> it was probably his goat. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know I know what it was. He didn't have the money for a ticket to go to Morocco when they were auctioning off the No. I mean, you know, seriously. Well, there again, let me say this. How shall, how shall I say? <laughs> maybe, maybe don't let me say this. I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I, f- <laughs> I find myself getting blogs and emails, you know. I guess it's because I get profiled on Facebook and, um, Uh, let me think. Come on. There is a culture in the new. There is a caste of people uh, who um, <laughs> in that group, goats are real popular with the men. All right. Now, 
Uh, let, me, let me go back to what I was saying. People who don't have their roots in Scripture, there's no boundary for them. There's nothing to restrain them. Uh, and if you think of our society, we're becoming less and less of a biblical society. Uh, the people are so hard-hearted. Uh, the, the, the college generation especially, you try to talk to them about the Lord and they're prepared to debate you with stone-cold, hard hearts and, uh, and, and try to take you to the cleaners based on modern philosophy or so-called science or whatever. And you wonder how in the world when these people are finally in control, what, where are we? Because those people are the ones who are arguing for the loosening of the biblical restraints. Okay? So, now in Leviticus, this stuff is, is repeated about sexual uh, sin. And Yahweh says to Moses, because this is the way the Canaanites live. This is the way they live in Canaan. And I do not want my people to do what the Canaanites do. So this was their lifestyle, uh, even, even to the bestiality thing. Uh, you know, there was a day I could have been in this class 30 years ago, and as, as sick as it sounds today, we would have almost all just said, well, that's the most ridiculous and dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Not to, but you know, it ain't so dumb today. Is it? Well, it's dumb, but it's not so far-fetched. Um, okay, I'm through with that. Uh, well, no, I want to I I create an image in your mind so it'll never leave. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> okay, yeah, I know. He who slaughters a sacrifice to the gods shall be destroyed except to Yahweh alone. Elohim, Elohim, the gods. Um, now, of course, I read another. Uh, you know, I just, I just spend a lot of time reading stuff because if it seems to be related to utter godlessness and um, especially prophetic scenarios, I pay attention to it. And I read where in Switzerland, this, this was in 2016, the heads of state gathered to some sort of event where um, there, was a, there was a drama played out. And if I remember it correctly, the hero of the drama was Lucifer. Is it Switzerland? You probably read the same thing that I read. And when the play, now we're talking about heads of state, including the macaroni or whatever his name is from France. <laughs> they all gave a standing ovation to this thing. Was that the turning of the new year? Was that what it was? It was back in 2016. And it was a satanic thing. I mean, it was basically, and they all. Um, Yeah, goat head. He had a goat head, you know, all that stuff. 
We're so sheltered down here in the south. Hey, y'all keep coming to Shiloh. I'll open your eyes to some stuff. Nah, I don't want to. Well, that's the way it is here. They were, the Israelites were enslaved. The Egyptians were elitists. You remember we studied that earlier in Exodus. And they, they, God put them in a place where the Egyptians did not want to mix with pastoral people, people who kept animals. That was the Israelites. They're nasty. They're subhuman. We don't want anything to do with them. So they were able to maintain their separation as a nation by the wisdom of God so that they grew in numbers to become a nation. And they were repulsive to the Egyptians until the very end when God changed all of that and they started wanting to give their gold and stuff to the Israelites, right? So having maintained a separate culture, they, they probably didn't realize everything that the Egyptians, I mean, I'm sure they saw a lot of it. They had, to even, they had to put the stones together that had these crazy looking gods and goddesses inscribed in them. Yet still, I'm sure they didn't know everything that went on. You know, you and I, we don't know what goes on in the halls of Congress, do we, really? Or Supreme Court or anything else. We don't know. This, I, the older, I, it used to be such a far-fetched thing that I only thought of it as an Old Testament thing, worshiping false God. You know, that's just, that's just something that's in another era, you know. But that's, hey, it's alive and well, and it's... Um, they do, yeah. I mean, they have that Charles Manson look, is what I call sure it. Does. I don't know if I can do it or not. And anyway. <laughs> I, uh, Pat remembers this, and he was really a good friend of mine. He was a Catholic priest. In 99% of the things of his life, he was a sweet and beautiful man. He's a lot older than us, probably about my age, and I thought he was, I thought he was warmed over to death. Uh, but uh, he wanted me to pray with him. We went to visit him. He'd been after us. And I went to pray, and I had, I don't know if I'd ever been in a Catholic church or not. It was a spooky, it was a scary experience. And uh, so he said, uh, he, he was an Irishman, he had this brogue, you know, and he, uh, he called me Friend Charles. Friend Charles, would you come and let us pray together? I said, well, sure. Well, you know, I'm thinking like go out under a tree or whatever. We go into the, the, I guess, is that a sanctuary, whatever it is. And there's, there's these statues, but the biggest one was Mary in the center where the baptistry should have been, right? And he started popping down and bowing. And then he would pop down and bow again. And he did that four or five times. And I told him after it was over, I said, you know, I just can't do that. You know, I said, we, and then he went into this explanation. My, my point being, that's just a, in so many people's lives, that's such a common thing to bow down to a, an idol. 
uh, a statue uh, or, or do other things to pay sacrifice to God's. I, I somewhat agree with those who say that abortion is, is a worship at the altar of Molech who demanded, who demanded babies. And Israelites, you know, that was the valley of Gehenna. That's, that, became, that became Jerusalem's garbage dump. Once there was a reformation brought in, I think by Josiah, when a reformation was brought in and he stopped all of that, um, then where, where people were, had taken their newborn babies, Molech was a brass, brass thing with his arms out like this. His belly was an open fire and they would throw live babies on that brass thing that was angled upward and they would sizzle and scream all the way down into the fire of Molech's belly. Uh, and the Reformation came in, in, Israel, or in Judah and the king put a stop to it and that became the garbage dump of Jerusalem and that was Hinnom, that was Gehenna. That's what Christ illustrated as outer darkness, the lake of fire. Um, but... but uh, a modern version of that has to be people just surrendering their babies. And, and the abortion laws get more or less stringent where now, even outside the womb, with a heartbeat. Uh, and I agree with other people who say, well, if they'll do that to their newborn, they'll do it to the old people someday, you know. Um, just... Uh, Yeah, so so we we we're, we're developing a course on on uh, senior adult self defense. <laughs> Bring your AR-15s and your Glocks. <laughs> uh, you think I'm kidding, don't you? Just go watch the movie Soylent Green, right? Oh, that's all. <laughs> me and Charlton Heston, we're going to run from that. <laughs> you ain't going to take me there. Yeah, that, I just saw that recently. Really? Oh, well. Well, this has been a dark lesson, hasn't it? We'll have to liven this thing up here in a minute and go to the Gospel of John or something. You shall not mistreat a stranger, nor shall you oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not oppress any widow or orphan. If you oppress him, beware, for if he cries out to me, I will surely hear his cry. My wrath will be kindled, and I will slay you with a sword, and your wives will be widows and your children orphans. Okay, look at the bigger picture here. If... If mistreatment of people becomes the norm and, and it underscores those who are helpless here in that, of course, back then widows and orphans had, had no hope at all. 
That is a sign of a bigger problem in the sinful condition of the nation of Israel. Uh, now, it doesn't say, let me hasten to add this, it doesn't say that they had to make a home for them. It doesn't say that they had to keep them in Israel unless the stranger went through the rites of uh, uh, the, the, the rituals that were required to become a proselyte to Israel. And there were some. Caleb Caleb was a Kenizzite. He was an Edomite. He was not an Israelite, but he was of the tribe of Judah. So he, went through, he, he, he submitted to what was necessary uh, to become an Israelite. So they'd have to be, they would have to submit to that. But if they're passing through, especially since Israel was such a vast camp, it might take two days for a person to pass through the camp of Israel. Well, he would, he would, need, he would need to be able to be fed and other things and, and then on his way carry on. But now widows and orphans are helpless. Don't oppress those people who are in need of help. I'll hear, their, I'll hear their cry. And it's just a matter of time before I put an end to your, to your nationhood in the world. And of course that happened on in their history. When you lend money to my people, to the poor person who is with you, you shall not behave toward him as a lender. You shall not impose interest upon him. If you take your neighbor's garment as security... Until sunset, you should return it to him. For it is his only covering, and it is his garment for his skin. With what shall he lie? How can he go to bed and be warm? And it shall be that if he cries out to me, I will hear, because I am gracious. You shall not curse a judge, neither shall you curse a prince among your people. Your fullness offering... And your heave offering you shall not delay. The firstborn of your sons you shall give me. So shall you do with your cattle and your sheep. Seven days it shall be with its mother. On the eighth day you give it to me. And you shall be holy people to me. Flesh torn in the field you shall not eat. You shall throw it to the dogs. Now that's my last verse. Is that y'all's last verse? Okay, we've caught up with each other. All right. Again. Property rights, social responsibilities um, that were pertinent to the culture of, uh, of the day and for the nation of Israel. The, the thing is, is, and let me go back and, and, and recount this. We've already gone, haven't we? We've already gone chapter 21 and chapter 22. We're not through yet. All of these things are given by Yahweh, like the Facebook post says, because he knew people could not obey the Ten Commandments. If they obeyed the Ten Commandments, like they said they would, you know, none of this would be necessary. God says that he's gracious. This is a, this is a sign that he's gracious. If he was, if he was legal... It would just be the Ten Commandments and then you'd be dead. But he's gracious and so in his grace, he says, okay, here's how we're going to keep you 
regulated and under control because without without something like this, people get out of control. Um, it's really an, a statement of the grace of God, His recognition of our faultiness. Even these people that He had done all this for, bring them out, stopped the most powerful nation in the world, and did all that He's done still, He's with them. Daily stuff. He's interested in it and He wants them. He wants them to have peace as far as possible, to be, to be able to prosper and to be protected from, from unruliness and chaos. Well, we'll continue this next time. Let's pray together. Father, how we love you and how we marvel at your word. Thank you for your word, O oh God. And help us to understand how wonderful and gracious you are to us and how you, how you walk with us every step of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.